0: You're tuned in to the Manjeet Minhas podcast. The world of business is a challenging one. From the youngest entrepreneurs to the biggest and most respected names across Canada, you need to have a strong will, determination, and skills to navigate to the top. I'll be talking to everyone from budding entrepreneurs to the established leaders in the world of business. You'll hear their stories of where they were, where they are, and where they're going. I'm Manjeet Minhas, and this is my podcast. Hi, and welcome to today's show. My guest today is Sharzad Rafati, founder and CEO of Broadband TV. Sharzad's life started in Tehran, Iran, where access to all sorts of new entertaining and educational content was very limited and restricted. Upon immigrating to Canada at the age of 17, she was finally exposed to new languages and cultures. Since then, she has gone on to become one of the most powerful women in the tech and media industry. Today, we'll talk about Sharzad's journey from becoming a young girl in Iran to the strong, groundbreaking woman she is with immense grit and passion here in Canada and around the world. Sharzad has numerous accomplishments, which we'll talk about under her belt, including the most impressive, the largest TSX IPO of all sectors for a female founder and CEO. Welcome to the podcast, Sharzad.
1: Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be on your podcast.
0: I'm very much look forward to our conversation today. So let's start, I guess, maybe back in the beginning. So you're born in Tehran, your access to TV and different types of content, very limited throughout your childhood. But talk to me about your childhood. Was it a happy childhood? You know, what do you remember those 17 years before you immigrated to Vancouver?
1: I grew up in Iran, in Tehran, as you said, uh, during the war. And it was at a time when very much so content was rationed and inequality was uh, an everyday reality and I had access to a handful of TV channels. But I could actually see, uh, really, this was the start of uh, understanding the power of content and even at the very much so small scale. And I was very young, but I've seen enough of the world uh, to know that really I needed a different future and I needed a life where I could make a difference. Now, seeing the protests that are going on right now in Iran very much so brings me back to, you know, how I felt during this time. And and this is really such an important moment and hopefully a turning point for women in Iran and the people of Iran and it all, you know, very much so hits very close to home. I encourage everyone that is listening to really get involved and share the news and updates as to what's happening you know on the ground. And whether if you're Iranian, if you're not, it's such a unique situation where You know, you have millions of young people who are being victims of violence and they really can't get the story of the protests out. It's such a critical moment for Iran and the world uh, really needs to help drive this positive change. And again, you know, even though it's been, you know, 43 years since the revolution, inequality is still a very, very much an everyday reality. And now going back to me growing up in that environment, experiencing inequality firsthand really created this desire for me and the passion to be a positive agent for change. Growing up, we spent a lot of time watching Gandhi and it was definitely one of my favorite movies that was on play on repeat. And I really believe in that you need to be the change that uh, you wish to see in the world. And that's why that point in time as a teenager, I moved to Canada to have access to more of an inclusive and equal opportunity. And even though, you know, I was a very much so a young teenager, uh, almost 17, I moved to Vancouver really by myself with one suitcase, no computer skills and very little English. And my passion for math and tech is what drove me to study computer science uh, at UBC. And again, content played a big role. So you kind of fast forward 17 years later and I, again saw this impact of content and how played a big role in my life helping me learn the language exposing me to new cultures and suddenly of course there was so much more of it and it was really around this time that I built the business model for BBTV so i think growing up my childhood story i think is a story that i'm privileged to be you know have experienced and i think probably the biggest thing is that my personal mantra is you know you become what you believe and i realized that really experiencing that lack of justice and inequality every day to understand that you can be a positive agent for change and you can do as much as you can, as much as you have the purpose, the passion and the drive.
0: And so growing up, your parents, your siblings, did they ever imagine that you would move to Canada? What were their dreams for you? Did you believe?
1: I have that. my parents are both entrepreneurial. And as a matter of fact, they're my greatest role models. I mean, my mom still is my greatest role model, because if you go back and, you know, when I was growing up, she was one of the only female entrepreneurs in our neighborhood and very few actually in our country. And they both were engineers and, you know, growing up in a Persian family, you're very much so encouraged to become an engineer, a doctor, (laughs) a doctor, really, those are the two key options. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So I became an engineer, you know, but the good thing was that I loved mathematics and I loved physics and I loved problem solving. So both my parents wanted me to do something good with my life. And I think looking back, tackling and overcoming the challenges uh, that I faced as a teenager, it really gave me the confidence that I needed to take on anything. And 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 of course, although it was like the first few years in Canada, there were difficulties as you know, with any immigrant, you know, as your first generation immigrant, it really allowed me to pursue my dreams of building a very much so impactful business on a global scale. And that's an opportunity that uh, might not have been on the plate if I hadn't moved to Canada. So it was really a pivotal moment in my life. And I can tell you that I was one that that really listened to (laughs) my parents. They wanted me to stay longer and spend more time back home. And I just knew that I had to leave the country at that point in time. I've seen enough to know that, you know, I had to, I had to leave the country. So, and I would say my parents probably wanted me to stay a little bit longer because I was too young to leave the country by myself. And back then, uh, the other part was that. It's usually uh, guys that leave the country and, you know, they're usually the ones that are set to leave first. And right. I was, the, you know, probably one of the first few girls that lived by myself without any family members. So as difficult as it was, I'm not a quitter. So it was just more so I got to make this work. It was very difficult. Mm-hmm. It was very challenging. No friends, no family, didn't speak English. There were all these things that they are new barriers, but yet, uh, you know, it's for a greater purpose and that if you have the drive, you know that you can't quit.
0: Well, that is a fascinating story because you're so brave going in blindly. Sometimes I guess that's a great thing about being young, that you're naive to maybe the realities of the world, but you're passionate about what your future might hold, especially when you don't maybe see it where you were before. And so once you came to Vancouver, that had to be an amazing, large learning curve. And some people would be discouraged by having to learn a new language, culture, no friends, money, having big dreams, but not necessarily having all the tools or the networks or the connections to be able to figure out how to fulfill those dreams and those passions. So why media? I get you, you love problem solving, but what was it about tech and about media that really attracted you? It's a really good question.
1: You know, I always knew I wanted to build a global business and really play a pivotal role in the democratization of content, given my background and a passion for storytelling and democracy. And, you know, the really model for the company came to me when I visited CES and I observed the applications of digital audio. That was, of course, pioneered by Steve Jobs uh, through the invention of the iPod. And even though the distribution and the monetization models for the music industry really weren't uh, clearly defined, the shift in consumption trends was a very clear indication of where uh, content was headed. And audio was just really the start of the evolution in the space. It was very much so clear to me that video was going to be next. uh, Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be part of that pivotal moment in uh, redefining the future of entertainment in terms of how content gets produced and how content gets distributed and consumed. And really empowering this new generation of content creators.
0: It's incredible how you saw the future of that industry as the founder and CEO of one of the biggest tech media companies in the world. It's also hard to imagine that for so many of your years, you before that, you didn't have access or weren't consumed by it yourself, but you had a vision of that's where it was going to be. And so then you started BBTV in 2005 and it really was a pioneer. And advanced the media tech space. And so, as a small startup, what were your challenges in the beginning?
1: So when I uh, started BBTV back in two thousand and five, we were one of the pioneers, as you said, that were you know we were defining and advancing the whole space, the equator economy, content monetization, both for traditional and established uh, IP owners, as far as as well as like new storytellers. So naturally. We were constantly learning and growing as a business and faced with a number of challenges in the first few years. And regardless of when you enter like a space, you know we entered the space at really at the beginning at its infancy. And I would say the space was not really defined and it was actually changing very rapidly. So we had to really understand the industry we had to understand the consumption trends as they were changing and evolving very rapidly. And as any good entrepreneur, I had to follow my vision and remain clear on what I was ultimately trying to achieve, and not to get very much so distracted by all the changes in the space, especially when you're working on an industry that is uh, truly in its infancy. And this is really important right. because there are lots of opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. And I would say the second thing is, was really the customers. The customers were not educated. You know, if you think, you think about it back then the rights you know we would acquire rights to some of the largest ips in the world exclusive rights for five years at no cost you know so and and nice. really if you think about it content owners content creators really didn't necessarily know the value of digital rights back mm-hmm. in 2005 and we had to really educate them to help them understand the value of building growing and monetizing audiences of course digitally and the importance of it you know a great example of it is when uh, we launched our our content management business, which is part of our plus solutions where we help content owners manage and understand and capture insights around their fan uploader content. The majority of the actual content that was being uploaded to streaming sites and peer-to-peer sites, they were like, it was all fan uploader content. It was almost about a third of the IP that was out there. And so we were, BBTV really pioneered the model of peacemaking between content owners as far as putting them back in control of their IP, while also helping, helping them capture insights around their IP, bring them a new revenue stream. And so we were really ultimately the peacemakers between fans and the content creators. And it was a really Excellent. exciting time with a lot of change and a lot of hustle. And I got to tell you, like smart hustle never goes away, but it's been a, a core part, obviously, throughout the last 17 years. And I got to tell you, as a CompSite student, so obviously I got it in, right into it, and I was a core user. I mean, I was on the peer-to-peer sites. I was looking at what was happening with all the fan output content and very much so involved. So I didn't come out of it from an outsider. As I was here at the age of 17, I truly immersed myself in Mm -hmm. really uh, understanding the tech and the consumption trends, even though it was vastly different. So as I started the model and started the business, I I already had a You know, uh, very much so involved and I had obviously great passion for the industry, but also studying computer science and understanding technology that, uh, you know, was relating to audio fingerprinting, video fingerprinting, anything else relating to content optimization, discovery, search, recommendation engines, very much so was involved with that. You know, obviously spending a lot of time across peer-to-peer sites and seeing what gets consumed and shared and what have you.
0: You said a lot of words there that I didn't understand, but that's a great thing. I I think that it is truly that you, like you said, you truly immersed yourself. Do you still do that as much as you did in the beginning years? Oh, a hundred percent. Even now, whether
1: if it's with the TikTok generation back, you know, five, six years ago, with respect to all these new, like new formats, new technologies, whether if it's web three, you have to be part of it. I mean, you know, this is, you know, you you obviously want to surround yourself by smart people, but you really need to pay attention to your customers, understand industry trends and really immerse yourself. And uh, I, th- I think that's probably to be able to actually have the right vision for the product and the solutions that you're offering to your customers, because at the end of the day, they're relying on you as the actual space continues to evolve. And I truly believe that if you don't disrupt yourself, someone mm-hmm. else is going to disrupt your business.
0: Very true. Very true. So. As you've navigated this career, but especially in the beginning, as you've had to mold and iterate and deal with not only competitors, but understand where you are going as a company, have you had mentors or, you know, um, some people around you that have helped guide you to help make those tough decisions? For sure. I would say my mom has
1: been my greatest role model as a uh, entrepreneur and someone that I have a lot of respect for. And of course, you know, throughout the years I've had great uh, board members. I've had other role models. I would say Mark Benioff from Salesforce. He's the founder. He's been also a great role model in building a quadruple bottom line business and Mm. really leveraging business as a platform for positive change, which is why I also have built uh, BBTV to be a quadruple bottom line business where we measure success, not just based on our financial performance and how innovative we are, but also we look at our social, our community and environmental bottom lines. But we still have a long way to go, because I have to say, growing up as a Iranian girl, and of course, being a proud iranian Canadian, there were not a lot of uh, female entrepreneurs that have built global businesses, and right. even today, you know, if I were to ask you to name a few a female founding executives uh similar to Elon or Steve Jobs, you know there are not many right? and you know we need to, uh, more examples, and I hope to inspire many more young women out there obviously listening to your podcast to show that, you know, if she's done it, I can do it too. And I encourage everyone, of course, listening to the podcast to really do the same thing. I mean, you know, follow mm-hmm. your passion, solve big problems, go after big opportunities. And as far as role models, you know, have role models that you can spend time with, as well as obviously the role models that we all look up to that may, we may not have the same level of access to.
0: Very, very true. Very true. And so there's so many ways and forms to consume media. Which one has seemed like the biggest surprise or the game changer throughout your career, do you believe?
1: Game changer, I would say the shift from web to mobile. uh, That was the big one. We saw it in such a short period of time. I think it was over a period of six months. We went from really zero penetration on mobile to a big chunk of consumption for video content was coming from mobile devices. And within a year, we were at 50%. It was unbelievable to see the shift. And also, To see how ad dollars flew in from traditional to digital, you know, it was something that seeing it live, looking at, you know, the revenue associated with obviously the views that were coming with respect to mobile devices. To me, that was very, very special and unique transition for consumption that we've experienced. And, you know, you kind of think about it with Web3. If you think about Web2 with all the social platforms, you have a billion plus users So that transition has been fascinating because we also started with a video consumption happening on, really, it was more of an OTT model where consumption was happening on set-top boxes, Hmm. Microsoft Media Center, Akimbo, and then it transitioned to streaming sites. Obviously, YouTube was one of the first players in the game and they were obviously supported by Google and acquired by Google and one of definitely a dominant players in the space. But certainly, I think, you know, the transition from OTT really early, early on to streaming, that was also very fascinating. And, you know, it was just one of the biggest things that we've learned at BBTV in terms of how things shift so rapidly and so quickly when you have the right tools. And now, you know, when you think about content creation, one of the other things that has been like incredibly fascinating, you kind of look at the technology with the phones, you know, you used to have special equipment to be able to film Mm -hmm. and produce content. And now you can actually film content just right on your phone, the technology for cameras, and it's going to keep getting better and better. So that has been also really amazing to watch.
0: That is so true. My 10 year old is trying to convince me that she wants to start her own YouTube channel of jokes and challenges the last couple of days. And I try to figure it out how to do it private and how to like, it's a whole new world. And for her, it just seems so natural. And it's really interesting how easy it really is, and like you say, it's not actually a ton of equipment or anything that needs to go into trying to do it. So fascinating.
1: One of the other things, by the way, I imagine that I think is also very important, you know, with respect to Quator economy, it's also how social media has been really impacting, you know, how we look at the world, right? I think mm-hmm. one of the most encouraging things that I've seen throughout the power of, I think, our industry there is to inspire change for the better, like, you know, on a global scale, you think about the ALS uh, Ice Bucket Challenge, you think about Team Trees, right? True. Planted 24 million trees. So I think if you look at it, creators and the creator economy have also have massive potential for good in the world. And, you know, these are like the kind of stories that very much inspire me and of course my team, especially given that, you know, BBTV is so fundamentally a bottom line business and to be able to actually leverage this massive influence uh, to make positive change. I think that's also one of the biggest things that we've seen as far as game-changing moments throughout the years.
0: So true, so true. You talked about the industry changing so fast. And so all entrepreneurs have to deal with that in not only their own business, but their industry, their competitors, everything around them is changing so fast. And of course, yours is really outpaces almost every industry. My industry, the way we make beer or vodka, maybe changes you know slightly every 10 years, but it's fundamentally the same at its core. It's the other things around it that are changing sometimes, but not nearly as fast as yours. And so how do you keep up and how do you stay relevant in such a fast-paced and competitive environment? It's a really good question.
1: And I think failure is really a key component of success. Mm-hmm. But you really need to learn and adapt and fail forward. Right. I really like to call it quick failures. And it's one of the key mantras at BBTV. When you do things for the first time, you need to be open to failure. And, but you know, you need to fail fast. You need to learn from your mistakes quickly. And that's why, again, as I said, our mantra at BBTV has been quick failures. And this is such a core part of our DNA and has remained constant in helping us to become, of course, a market leader. And it has also led to so many amazing achievements for us at BBTV.
0: Are you saying that you try a lot of things and then quickly decide whether you're going to pursue it or you stop?
1: No, it's just more so like if you want to be a pioneer, you need to be willing to make mistakes because yeah, you're trying Agreed. something for the first time. So I encourage people to really try new things and failure is not a problem to fail, but fail quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times when you're looking at for example engineers, they fall in love with their idea or a product And as an engineer, I always tell my team, look, you know, you you come up with an idea, you come with a solution. It doesn't mean that it's going to be the best solution. What you need to do is you have to give it a try. You have to give it a chance. If it works, if it works, if it doesn't, it's got to be a quick failure. I think trying hard to make something that is not working is the worst thing you can do for yourself, your team and the company.
0: Right. Agreed. So you do equality is a priority within your company. You have a presence in 28 countries, spans 10 languages. And you have a 0% pay gap over the last five years. And the company is 40% female identifying employees and managers across the business and operates a fully carbon neutral business. And so talk to me a little bit about why those things are really important to you and how you've actually been able to achieve those because those are pretty fantastic numbers.
1: For sure, and I mean, look, this is very dear to my heart, and the same across our leadership. I'm very passionate about improving gender equality and diversity at the broader level across the public and the private sector. And you know, over as you know, half of the women in the world don't have their own income, and that's mm-hmm. a quarter of the world's working population, and and that's you know, working population that can contribute to stronger economies. And there is a McKinsey rep- report that it uh, really speaks to how closing the gap could add between you know anywhere from 12 to 28 trillion dollars to the global gdp if women played an identical role to men uh, in the labor market in canada that's about 150 billion by 2026 and yet if you look okay. at the last 10 years in the g20 countries there has been very little progress that has been made if you look at the number of women that are occupying managerial positions in g20 countries it has only grown by about 3.3% in the last 10 years, right? And I have to say, as the co-chair of G20 in power, given our mandate is exactly to solve for that and to really help the private sector as an alliance with the right best practices and also providing the right set of data to be able to make progress. So I think that having women in the position of leadership is fundamental for economic growth of any country. And it is particularly, of course, close to my heart to, empower Canadian women to excel in a very much so male-dominated tech industry and to really inspire them to become future leaders.
0: And so how does your company not only promote that positive workplace culture, but a place that encourages women to step in and step up in a very male-dominated industry? Because tech for sure is, but there's lots of industries who definitely are very male dominated and we see that gap for women. So how Mm -hmm. are you solving and, and doing such a great job at that?
1: When you look at, you know, building a quadruple bottom line, a business, it all comes down to setting goals, measuring them and reporting Mm -hmm. on them. So you need to make sure that you have the right processes, pipeline incentives, and systems in place to make those goals obviously become reality. And creating a short-term and a long-term plan for all those targets are very much so important. You know, a lot of times when it comes to our Other bottom lines, not financial bottom lines, we always set long term goals. So it's very important to have both set long term and short term goals. And then we need to budget for them. You know, when you're looking Mm -hmm. at budgeting the same way that you have, you know, your revenues, your gross profit, your bottom line, you need to budget for all your bottom lines and apply the same level of attention to details that you give your financial goals because, you know, they all contribute to a much healthier and more successful organization. And I wanted, get to specifically address your question, where you said, how do you have a gender pay gap with BBTV when you're looking at our people bottom line? Obviously, I'm very proud to say, as you indicated, we have a 0% pay gap, but we've had a 0% pay gap for the last six years. And not just from a gender lens, but no matter how you actually slice it, sexual preference, whatever the background, it's not just gender-based. And over 40% of our employees and managers identify themselves as female. So we've implemented a gender interviewing policy that very much so ensures that we always interview at least two qualified female and also two qualified male candidates for every open role. And whether if it's promotion within or onboarding resources from the outside, we just want to make sure that we give both genders equal opportunity. When it comes to pay equality and diversity, of course, they're very much so tied into the performance targets for all of our managers. And just like any business pillar, you know, as you know, and we talked about just now, building that quadruple bottom line business very much requires the diligence and the desire to be accountable to the progress. So very, Mm -hmm. very much to treat all of our bottom lines with the same level of accountability where we're looking at our revenue results, gender pay, carbon footprint, and of course our community hours. And it does more than just positively impacting our world. It actually. Our business is better for it. And obviously there's great research that shows how companies that are quite bottom line, they're in the you know top performing and higher performing organizations. And really, I would actually say that I'm very much so inspired by this new generation of entrepreneurs that are looking to these goals for their business right from the outset. Mm. And without question, of course, good values very much so generate great results. And this is what we're seeing with not just obviously with BBTV, but also the new generation of companies and
0: entrepreneurs that have grew up with a different set of values. I love that. Good values generates good results. Very, very true. And I like that you're saying that you need to budget for them because I agree that most people think of it as an afterthought, but if it is front and center in your goals and in your KPIs and you're budgeting for them, very important that there's money set aside in order to make sure that you can accomplish all of these great things that are really needed. And like you say, really do help bottom lines, but also help the world that we live in. As you mentioned briefly, Prime Minister Trudeau appointed you to be the co-chair of G20 Empower, which is a private sector alliance intended to support the greater recruitment and advancement of women in leadership across the G20 countries. And also you are a part of the G20 Business Women Leaders Task Force, which is a global initiative also. So tell me a little bit about how you've seen through this how you know around the world we maybe could do better and what are you seeing around the world that we can take notes from here in Canada and in North America
1: for sure i would say we are definitely canada is in very good position as it relates to female representation across different organizations we have a long way to go when it comes to equal pay when it comes to female re- representation at leadership level and i think the first thing that starts is you know knowing your data capturing your data you know reporting on your Data as we talked about accountability, making sure that leaders are progressive and they're willing to be held accountable as far as specifically when it comes to gender representation. And the second is really having the right set of policies and systems. And this is very much so similar across all the G20 countries. Doesn't matter if you're in Canada or if you're in Japan or if you're in Italy or in Indonesia, every country, every company as a starting point. And really the premise of G20 Empower is that private sector alliance that provides the right set of data, the right set of best practices and solutions. So regardless of the country, the sector, the size of your organization, you have the solution to be able to make progress. And again, as I said, it all starts by tracking, reporting, and your KPIs and making sure that you have the right processes to help Your team, your leaders, and your managers accountable for achieving those.
0: Couldn't agree more. I think that it's fascinating sometimes when you get a lens that is outside your bubble, no matter what you're doing. So you never know who you'll meet or see day to day in your life. And that could do something to change the world. And you're definitely proof of that. And I think that it is something that we all need to think about for generations to come. So, what would be your advice to young women or young people who dream? the way you did, but maybe hesitant to start, whether it be a business, whether it be something to inspire change socially, when they're hesitant and see that definitely it's going to be a battle and it's not going to be easy. How do they get their foot in the door? What would your advice be to them?
1: I would say to the younger generation, especially the younger Canadian generation, go after large pools of opportunity. Really don't solve a small problem. If you can solve a large problem, go solve a larger problem. Follow your passion. I mean, you won't succeed if you don't have a passion for what you do. And I would say that if you're driven by other factors, you're just not going to be as successful. And of course, hard work and perseverance is an absolute must. You need to have specifically you know, the right etiquette to be able to work hard because you know, it's never easy. It doesn't matter if you're solving a smaller problem, the larger problem. You know, there's going to be challenges and hard work and perseverance is an absolute given. And really last but not least, you know, you really need to keep your eye on the long-term vision and really stay committed to what you're ultimately trying to achieve. And we talk, talked about this earlier. You know, you don't want to uh, feel distracted by shiny objects around you. You really want to stay focused to your vision and of course, surround yourself with amazing people that
0: will help you achieve that. Uh, that great, 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 great advice. So I couldn't end without talking about your IPO. So what made you decide that you wanted to go public and that you wanted to go on the TSX and take a try at IPOing? And then of course you IPOed, broke a bunch of records. It was quite phenomenal to watch. So congratulations on that. But maybe walk me quickly through why and how it happened
1: we're you know a leader in creator economy and you know we operate across 28 countries and 10 languages where we reach 600 million people every month and 35 billion monthly views i would say that for us you know when i see there are a lot of canadian entrepreneurs that sell their businesses too early and uh, mm-hmm. we certainly you know when we were private we were offered to sell the business many times and it was just more so, you know, setting an example for other Canadian entrepreneurs that there are other opportunities. That said, you know, I have to say that, you know, going public is just one form of one opportunity to be able to really grow your business, grow grow your businesses strategically if you have a long vision for it. And that's why, you know, I took the company public. And of course, you know, we're a Canadian company. We took the company public on TSX. The markets haven't been easy on us. I mean, it's been a really difficult ride for the last two years, I have to say. And it's also important for entrepreneurs to know that the value of the business is not really defined by their Mm -hmm. share price. Right. You do really need to focus on building a strong business, uh, building a lasting business with really strong pillars and drivers in a space that is for us growing and growing very rapidly. So that's the reason why I took the company public because, We're one of the strongest players in our industry. We're a leader in creator economy. And, you know, I wanted us to have an opportunity to to scale and grow the business. But of course, you know, as Canadian entrepreneurs, you want to really look at exploring all the strategic alternatives and just selling your business shouldn't be just the first thing that comes to your mind.
0: I think it's a great example of how there's so many different options for not only funding, but for growth and for scale, and that everybody has to choose what is right for them, not just what they read about or hear about or see that others are doing. So I like that you took your time in order to make that decision and then chose it specific to you. Sharza, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your journey as an entrepreneur. I couldn't agree more with you. I wrote it down in the beginning and it is the highlight of my page. You become what you believe. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you like what we're doing on the show, be sure to follow us, leave us a like rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to tune in next week for an all new episode with another great guest for more insightful conversation. We'll see you again next time. Cheers.